How do we revolutionize cancer care? What innovations can solve global food scarcity? Can the next big leap in drug development come from a place you might not expect? These are the questions that drive us on New Wave, a podcast where curiosity meets life-changing science. In Nova Scotia, a new wave of pioneers are answering these questions, from reimagining how we treat the most daunting diseases to tackling the challenges of feeding a growing planet. Their stories are as inspiring as they are impactful. I'm Taylor McGilvery. Join me as we dive into these extraordinary narratives. We're not just talking about scientific breakthroughs. We're exploring how these advancements touch lives, reshape communities, and pave the way for a brighter future. Subscribe to New Wave on your favorite platform. Be part of a journey that takes you to the heart of innovation and shows how, in Nova Scotia, we're not just asking questions, we're finding answers. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. baby hello my love (sighs) guess what there are only 15 days left to the year 2020 yeah you know that expression being kicked while you're down yeah that's what that's what the latest development of 2020 feels like i mean yeah, i know what yeah. i know what's gonna happen i know it's gonna happen what's gonna happen 
The Incredible Journey. Do you know this movie, The Incredible Journey? No. Oh, well, you should definitely watch it. Actually, I don't know if you should watch The Incredible Journey or the other version of the same story. One of them, The Animals Talk, which is... Incredible Journey. And in the others, the animals do not. I don't think they talk. The 1963 film, The Incredible Journey with the... Oh, no, I can't watch this. This is a dog movie. Yeah, but there's a cat in it. No, I can't watch movies with dogs and tri- like trios of pets going on a, a going on an adventure that never ends well. It never ends without mm. tears. No, there. Okay, it's, first of all, there's a remake of that, uh, and and what happens is that the animals find their way home. They find their way home, uh, and that's what Vonnegut is gonna do. Uh, yeah, that's what our cat is going to do. <clears throat> this year doesn't he went missing. Yeah, this year doesn't fucking let up. Uh, it, 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 you know, it had to sneak one last thing in. And our cat Vonnegut is now missing. Um, but he's going to show up on Christmas Day. Yeah. And it's going to be like the real meaning of Christmas. Yeah. You know, yeah. the joy. Because yeah. we're not getting any other. We're not getting any other like. Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna manufacture some magic for sure. If even if Vonnegut doesn't come home, we'll 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 manufacture some Christmas magic. But it feels like we deserve that kind of magic on this Christmas day. <clears throat> I hope it just. I just all I need is for it to snow on Christmas morning. And when I say snow, I mean a pounding, debilitating blizzard. Um, and I'll be happy. If Are you gonna? Get, if I can get if I can get white one two on Christmas morning, I'll be good. If I can't open my door for three days straight because the snow has blocked me in, I'll be I'll be happy. I'll be I'll be a happy human. And as of course, you... if, if Vonnegut gets in before that, yeah, Vonnegut, if you're out there, come home. If you if you can hear us, if you're if you're on the street and a car driving by is playing our podcast with the window down. Which is very, Vonnegut. which is very unlikely in Halifax. Um, <clears throat> but if that is the case, uh, come home, buddy. Come on home, baby. All right, let's not stick. I'm, I'm already. I've I've been bummed all day. Let's not <laughs> stick. Let's not stick on this. Let's let's move along. Uh, but yeah, there's only 16, 15 days left to Christmas, or for fucking 20, 20, 20, 2020, <laughs> You know, and that's great. And, and then um, what's gonna happen? I'll tell you what's gonna happen. <clears throat> then, uh, then we're, aliens will make themselves known. <clears throat> they will, they will show up, and uh, we will have to rewrite history. We'll have to rewrite religion. Uh, the entire planet will have to come together, and those that aren't willing to will be annihilated. And that is that will be twenty twenty one. I can't wait. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be fucking great. Did time. you hear? Did you hear about the uh, the the um? Uh, what's it called? The alignment of Saturn and, and Jupiter? Jupiter. Yeah. Yes, I'm familiar with this. Yeah, very cool. Very cool stuff. You wanna? Do you wanna explain a little further? Okay, so let me just read this Facebook post because this is what my mom sent me. As 2020 comes to a close, the solar system has decided to grace us with a cosmic Christmas miracle that hasn't been witnessed in nearly 800 years. 800 years. 
On December 21st, a.k.a. the December solstice, Jupiter and Saturn will align so closely in the night sky that they'll almost appear to collide from our vantage point here on Earth, creating a radiant point of light often referred to as the Star of Bethlehem or the Christmas Star. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty... Um, it gives the the image that they use, which is obviously not what we're going to see, but uh, the image they use is that very um, long, stereotypical, long pointed star. Yeah. Long yeah. pointed star. And it says uh, later on in this article that you'll we will be able to see it. To catch a glimpse of the phenomenon for yourself, make sure you have a clear view to the southwest about 45 minutes after sunset. The planets will be at their closest on December 21st, but the Christmas star will be visible from anywhere on Earth for about one hour after what? sunset in the Northern Hemisphere for the entire fourth week of December. Oh, biblical. What a short period of time. Just one hour. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's fun. That's exciting. That's pretty fun. I like that. I like, uh, I like, I like, I like when fun stuff happens in space. Um, not nearly as exciting as, uh, a galactic federation, but that's for another podcast. Uh, cool. Sweet. Well, that's fun. Hopefully, uh, fun. hopefully there's more Christmas, hopefully there's more holiday miracles to come because it yeah. is my favorite time of the year. And, uh, <laughs> and I've been drunk on eggnog and rum for the last week and it's been great. Oh, I, I don't it. have any eggnog today, but I, mm -hmm. so I'm just doing a hot toddy. Oh, nice, nice. I love how we are both utilizing our love for alcohol to get by <laughs> in these hard times. Um, speaking of hard times, <clears throat> we, we don't usually talk about coronavirus, but um, uh, I had come across this article, and it's an old, old article. Like, this came out in fucking April, but uh, it was the first time I ever saw it, and it made me think, I just, I think it's really interesting. I want to just kind of go through this really quickly and just get your thoughts on it, Bride. Um this is uh, from Global News by Laura Osman. Coronavirus advocates warn limited health services may lead to unplanned pregnancies. I never heard about Wait, this. Wait, can you repeat that? Uh, advocates warn limited health services may lead to unplanned pregnancies. Limited access to contraceptives and services because of COVID-19 is likely to lead to a surge in in unintended pregnancies, according to sexual health advocates. Dara Teetel with Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights has already noticed a big increase in the number of people calling its helpline in distress. Now, again, this is back in April, but I have a feeling that, you know, especially with second wave, this, this is kind of uh, pertinent information now, too. He says, quote, uh, or they say, quote, we're looking at a huge number of unintended pregnancies, probably. Tietel said, unless something is done soon to make those services more available. Otherwise, she said, the pandemic could lead to dire consequences for people's sexual health, particularly for more vulnerable people. The COVID-19 outbreak has hit sexual health services in almost every angle, from contraceptive supply to access to tests for sexually transmitted infections. Many pharmacies have had to ration medications, including birth control, to one-month supplies to avoid shortages according to the Canadian Pharmacists Association. Now, I, again, I wonder what it's like now. Um, this was, this was back yeah. before the summer, but, you know, when we were like, when toilet paper was hard to come by. Uh, they've also noted a more limited supply of condoms, and they aren't alone. 
Quote, we are definitely hearing about condom shelves being empty, Tito said. Several fact- factories in Malaysia have at least partially shut down operations over concerns about the virus putting further strain on supply. That includes Carex, the company that bills itself the world's largest manufacturer of condoms. Uh, the impact may not be fully felt for a few months, according to Perry McLean, president of Pamco Distributing, which provides condoms to public health agencies and clinics. I find that so interesting because, like, um, like I, I, I wonder, uh, man, I, there's no way we would ever know this, but, like, I'm so curious to know what, like, how much sex was being had in the, in the peak of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, like, like it clearly, it, I had talked to someone, we were talking to someone, I think it was on Sick Boy, but we were talking to someone and they were, and they were basically like, they were basically expressing, you know, um, uh, at, you know, the pandemic is here and, and people are isolating, but like, but we're animals and our base, like one of our base needs is sex. And like, we're not going to not like, we're not going to stop having sex just because there's a virus going around killing people. And so I wonder if they're like, if, if there was, a, if there, if there, again, all speculation. So who knows, but like, it, it does, it does make me wonder, like if, if we could see a, a chart, you know, like sort of the same sort of chart that we're seeing with cases around Canada, like where on that chart would daily sex, like sex making be, throughout the year of 2020. Um, yeah. Imagine like the data we'll have in 25 years of like yeah. how many COVID babies were yeah. formed and mm-hmm. whatnot, because it could, to me, it could either go really other way, either way. Cause you know, survival is so important. Um, but survival instinct, um, also like when we're in danger can really shut down the desire to reproduce or have, mm. have sex. Um, I wonder if like there's anybody else on the planet looking around going like, well, if I was even on the fence a little bit about having kids, like this is really not feeling like the world I want to bring them into. I'm sure some people are having that feeling and, um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all comes out in the wash, I guess, 25 years from now or however long it will take to get sort of significant data on that. But you know, it doesn't naturally occur to me. It hasn't been my most sexually active time. Um, whereas when you think about like, I guess, you know, this is interesting because the article you're reading is about contraception, which costs money generally speaking, mm. but I'm, you know, cause I'm thinking of like sex as a pretty, you know, free and accessible thing to a lot of us who are living <coughs> with partners or are in partnerships. Like Mm. if you're stuck inside and you're not making any money, you know, you can fuck, you can do that. You know, just occupy yourself doing that. There's Mm -hmm. nothing else you really have to do, but I don't think a lot of people feel like that in the height of their stress. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man, you're, I, it's funny because like I feel like right now I'm having more sex than I've had in a long, long time. But again, I'm in the I'm in the midst of a new relationship. So it's like it's that like new relationship energy kind of thing. But even then I'm like, fuck, I'm having more I'm I'm having I I'm tired I'm tired all the time. 
I'm my, not sleeping. My penis is tired. <laughs> um, but and and also, it's like it's a very stressful time. I I mean, it mu- I must be I must be not not in an unhealthy way when I, when I say this, but I must be using sex as a as like a, a like a I don't want to say coping mechanism because that just makes it sound unhealthy, but like as a therapy, you know, like as a way to feel a way to be pulled out of like the the depths of of anxiety and stress that that have been like plaguing me for for the last little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and like rightly so, like it's probably a really important perspective shift too, to yeah. be able to like zoom out and be like, Oh wait, this thing that feels <clears throat> really intense and like fully just like my whole frontal lobe is just like all day. And then you like go and you have, you have sex and and you enter that space where you become a little more expansive and where a little bit where, where your bigger. brain stem is like <laughs> put it in the vagina. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it says. Well, maybe, maybe put it in the butt. Maybe, maybe <laughs> put it in the butt. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I I mean you know you know it's a you know it's a good sign. You know how I can tell I'm having uh, like borderline too much sex is when. My law, I can't keep on like my laundry gets when laundry becomes a problem (laughs) when like I can't keep up with the cleaning of my sheets and underwear. (laughs) That's when I'm like, fuck, man, I'm having a lot of sex. Too, too much. I don't have enough quarters for this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And and actually where I'm living right now, um, before getting into the condo, like there it is. It is uh, you you pay like a dollar twenty five for for dryer, like use the dryer. And I was like, con- just going through fucking laundry so quick. <clears throat> not just, enough towels, not you, enough sheets, not enough underwear. Are you just, you should, can you just flip the sheet inside out? I th- so I'm going to start, and yeah, I've started doing that. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Oh man. Yeah. I double doing that, my pillows. I've been doing that with my underwear too. It's just like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's, it's inside out day. It's just a mess. Even days are, even days are regular. Odd days are inside out. Yeah, that's how you keep track. Just in case you get lost. Yeah. And then once everything's covered in cum, then I do the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, you know what? Before we move on, um, too far away from this uh, topic of of conversation and and pregnancy, um, I had a an email I wanted to read from a listener. So this is our last episode, friends. Um, before we break for the holidays, we're going to take a, a two-week hiatus from releasing episodes. And so yeah. we thought we, we Christmas could... Time. Um, Holiday Christmas time. Christmas magic. Maybe, you know, maybe uh, what we'll do is we'll do a couple of re-releases uh, of, of episodes from days past. I love that. <clears throat> yeah. I love some that. Of our, some of our favorites over the past five, four years, five years. So, um, because of that, we thought it would be a kind of a nice treat to read you some of the submissions that we've gotten over the last year or so, or last few months that haven't made it on to like the brain boner list. And, you know, for whatever reason, we haven't shared it on the podcast. So, um, this one, um, this one just, just piqued my, my memory there with, uh, with the subject of of pregnancy and contraception. I'm excited for this. 
Um, scrolling down. Haven't heard these. No anonymous. Uh, I, man, request, just so. keep just keep it anonymous, man. Just don't like. You know what? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, don't even fucking don't even risk it. Okay. <clears throat> hey, Jeremy and Bridie. Hello. Hope you're doing be- well, swell in this new reality. Uh, I'm not sure if this fits within the Termion narrative, but I've been grappling with where slash who to share this with. And as an active listener, I feel like this might be the space to drop my thoughts. All right. So jumping straight into it, I wanted to write to you about my experience having a COVID-19 abortion and my current struggle with returning to sex post-abortion. Oh, wow. How, a side note. How fitting. Yeah. <clears throat> with the... Recent, so this uh, this email came out came to us in September, mm-hmm. with the recent passing of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the current debates on abortion in the states. I'm also having a lot of feelings, but I'm trying to keep my mind on one track as I write you this email. To give you some background and context, I've been with my current partner for five years. We're in our late twenties and live in Toronto. We've always been pretty careful when it comes to practicing safe sex, but pre-COVID-19, I had stopped taking my birth control pills due to some heavy mood swings and depressive episodes I was experiencing. After stopping my birth control, my periods were a bit all over the place, but I wasn't paying attention to this because of the COVID-19 time paradox. Fast forward to the end of the summer, and I realized that I hadn't had my period for the entire month of July, and it was now mid-August. On top of my period being very late, I was taking naps in the middle of the day, something that I never do, and had developed permanent heartburn overnight. After a few days of denial, I snapped back to reality and quickly realized in horror that I was either pregnant or experiencing the beginnings of premature menopause. Permanent heartburn overnight. Is that a uh, is that pretty classic with uh, pregnancy? With pregnancy? I think so. Wow. Yeah. I don't know classic if 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 that means like it's normal or if it's been or if it's just a irregularly reported. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um. Oh man, though, how many people listening have had that moment? You're either pregnant or almost maybe hitting menopause. Uh, yep. All right. The night of my aha moment, my boyfriend <coughs> ran out and got a pregnancy test. It came back positive. We sat on the bathroom floor in shock until he got up and ran to shoppers for another test. Let's double check, right? Surprise, surprise. The second test was also positive. In the five years of being together, we had hypothetically gone through this scenario of what if I get pregnant many times. And I had always made it clear that I would want an abortion. Although we were now dealing with the reality and not the hypothetical, we didn't need much discussion. I was not ready to have a baby and my boyfriend was open to whatever I wanted. With that, we made my appointment at the clinic for 10 a.m. the next day. Whoa. I have to recognize how fucking lucky I am to live in Canada, specifically in Toronto. When we searched for our options on Google, multiple clinics came up and we were able to find one within five kilometers of our apartment that had availability for the next day. I could probably go on for several pages about the actual experience of having the abortion, but that's not really the point of me writing to you. I will say that the shittiest part of having an abortion during COVID was that my boyfriend wasn't able to come into the clinic with me due to capacity restrictions. I hadn't realized how dependent I was on having his companionship through all of this until the moment he dropped me off at the clinic doors. 
I remember feeling like a little kid being dropped off by their parents at a sleepaway camp, feeling completely abandoned and unsure of who slash what would be waiting for me on the other side. Lucky for me, the clinic was clean and had clearly been designed to feel very comforting for its patients. The staff made it so I didn't feel so (coughs) alone, and they were great at walking me through everything. Because I was early enough in my pregnancy, I, I had the option to either take the abortion pill or have a surgical abortion. I chose a surgical abortion and went back to my apartment to recover. As a part of my recovery, it was advised that I not have sex for two weeks, nor use a tampon or swim or have a bath. I also had the lovely fun of a week of cramps and lots of bleeding. Again, not to go into too much medical detail. It has been about a month post-abortion, and I'm allowed to start resuming normal activity, a.k.a. having sex and using tampons. (laughs) My partner is not pressuring me at all, but I can tell he is eager to know when I might be ready to restart the sexual part of our relationship. Mm -hmm. Although this has not changed me or my feelings for my partner, if anything, it has made us stronger. My body and mind are not linking up when it comes to sex. I'm horny and really want to enjoy my partner's body and the familiar comfort of being with him, but my mind is just not there yet, and I'm scared it will take a long time for me to mentally want to have sex again. There is such a lack in blog posts and information on sex life after an abortion, and I would love to hear, I would love to somehow hear how other women's stories on how they went back to their normal sex lives, quote unquote, or if they ever did. Perhaps this is a discussion for when slash if I ever figure this out. Anyway, I thought I would share this in case this is a topic you'd be interested in offering up advice for or opening to your larger audience. Thank you and stay sexy. I wonder what uh, I wonder what came of that. That was quite a while ago. Yeah, September. I assume they're probably having sex again, but I guess you can't really assume. Yeah, you can't assume. No, never assume. You know what they say. But it does sound like this person says they're feeling they're feeling horny. Yeah. And they want to enjoy the comfort of their, their partner's body. You know. Yeah. I have been finding a lot of help with things I used to turn to like like behavioral psychology for. And be like, why might I not feel like having sex again? And Ooh. trying to understand it from sort of an analytical view was my way for, for was and is a, a complimentary part of my sort of self-research for a long time. But lately, like was in the last like five years or so, I, I, almost, I almost find like <clears throat> looking towards neuroscience um, and just like, the what comes up for me when I read this is like I wonder how your brain is. Uh, you say your mind and your body are not together. When we say the mind. We can be talking about like the conscious mind, mm. or we can be talking about like the the machine sort of. It's not a machine, but like the biological processes of the of the brain, and you know, like our brains have a map of our body in it and it doesn't necessarily like lay out like if you cut your brain in half you wouldn't see like a little gingerbread shaped you of your body's map of you you wouldn't no (laughs) contrary to popular belief (laughs) um but your body does have a way of mapping you know itself out and and certain parts of 
your brain are responsible for, you know, they, they hold the information about like where that part of your body is in space and how it's feeling and what it's doing. And a lot of time what happens when we have something traumatic happen to, to our body, you know, and even if mentally you were like totally down to have an abortion, there's still like, this is a physical process happening there. It's invasive and not like totally natural. Mm. Um, they're, you know, so, so your body, your mind, your brain might, you know, might just have like some fuzzy activity going on in there with your like brain science around. I'm not a neuroscientist, obviously, but I sometimes think about like approaching something from a non-emotional viewpoint from Mm. a non, like how, what are my emotions doing? But like, actually what's like, like, you know, the sci, the, the chemical science of what's going on. It might just be like, do, do some body scan meditations, like reconnect to all the parts of your body that you may have even like numbed even temporarily because of excessive cramping or, you know, something forcing your cervix open, you know, stuff like that, you know, maybe just some body mind linking activities that have nothing to do with sex might be a good start yeah. for maybe not you. Cause hopefully you're back in action, but you know, yeah. Maybe somebody it's, else who's in a similar situation doesn't even need to be an abortion, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's all. Uh, I can't argue with any of that. And you're so right. We're so lucky to have quick and available well i mean i mean there you know that's i very very much so in toronto but it's not it's not like that all, all across canada you know there's people no there's it's a lot of people definitely who, not like that in the states yeah definitely not like that in you know a lot of like northern parts of canada so yeah 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 definitely uh definitely some some uh some gratitude to be had for or something like that. I mean, even here in the Atlantic provinces, like I, you know, I, I don't know what it's like now, but I, I remember, I mean, for the longest time, it was like, if you were on PEI, like you couldn't get an abortion on PEI. You had to, you had to go off Island. You had to, you had to yeah. sort, I mean, can you do that now? I, I don't. Yeah. You can. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you know, it's one of those funny, it's one of those things. It's like, I say that and I'm like, maybe I should check I, yeah. because I think, yeah. because I know it was, but you know how those things sort of get they like could, taken they away. They can change, yeah. They can pull <laughs> away based, based on who's who's uh, calling the shots. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like it's still the case in, in Prince Edward Island. But uh, let's hope. Um, well, yeah. that's cool. Do you have any? Do you have any other uh, things that you wanted to read there, Brad? I do. I mean, I have a handful. This one came in, and I was like, "When are we going to have a time to to share this?" Uh, this came in in October. <clears throat> um. And I just, I'm just, I just love how it starts. Okay, ready? All right, yep. I know this is super random and it wasn't brought up on the podcast, but I thought this would be the perfect place to share my experience with getting a labiaplasty. Finding a positive experience was nearly impossible, almost scaring me out of the surgery. I also want to add that I got it done for medical reasons, not strictly for cosmetic purposes, although I'm very happy with the results. Due to it being medical, the procedure was Fully covered. Okay, long story short, back in June, I went for a jog and my right labia minora was causing me discomfort. I pushed through the run 
And when I got home, I decided to check things out. Oh my gosh. I was mortified to see my right labia minora had become extremely swollen. To get an idea of how it looked, you can Google search the image of Kylie Jenner lip challenge fail. I panicked and went straight to the ER where my doctor gave me a cream and told me, hopefully the swelling goes down. The swelling did eventually go down, but unfortunately, my right labia was permanently stretched. At this point, it was looking like a deflated balloon, hanging probably three centimeters longer than my left labia minora. Exercise made me miserable. Jogging would cause my right labia to be pulled and tugged at. Even walking was super uncomfortable. I would try to tuck it in to achieve some comfort, but this obviously didn't help. So I asked my family doctor to refer me to a gynecologist. Three months later, I had my consultation with Dr. Mueller in High River, a two-hour drive that was well worth it. In the consultation, he couldn't quite tell me what caused the swelling, but he did assure me that labia reduction for active women is quite popular and very beneficial in making an active lifestyle more comfortable. He recommended I get both sides done, although the right side obviously needed a lot more work. The idea of being able to comfortably jog again made the decision quite easy for me. October 16th was my surgery date. The actual procedure probably only took around an hour. An hour. As of today, I am only a few days post-op and I'm super happy with the results so far. Cosmetically, my cooter looks great. (laughs) By this, I mean the stitches are so small and done underneath the skin so you can't even see them. The pain itself hasn't been super unbearable. In four days, I've only taken two Tylenol 3s and I can actually shuffle around quite well. The boyfriend has even asked me if I can feel pain because I'm doing so much better than we used than we both anticipated. Uh, yes, I feel pain, but I think because it was causing me so much irritation prior to my surgery, this post-op isn't much different. Anyway, I just wanted to write in and share my personal experience because I made the mistake of doing a lot of Googling prior Ooh. to my surgery. And more often than not, the feedback that I got was horrifying. I can assure you, not every case have a, has a horrible outcome like most of the stories that bombard you. <sighs> I like that email and... Uh, I just like the take home message there of like, Google at your fucking own risk, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, God, we've heard that a, a trillion times over on, on sick boy, but sick boy. Wow. Yeah. What a, what a, so interesting. I, I mean, I did like, didn't even know that that could have been in it. Like that, that could be a problem, you know, like that's so, that's so fascinating. Also, uh, fuck. Sounds like a sound. I mean, in, at least in this person's case, sound like sounds like a labiaplasty is far less shitty afterwards than a fucking adult circumcision. Christ, I was getting yeah. like I was. My dick was starting to hurt just listening to that. And then when she was like, yeah, "And you know what? The, the stitch can't see the stitches. I'm not in pain. Only two Tylenol threes. I was like, "Holy fuck, man! That was not my experience." But uh, but also, <laughs> I'm a fucking man. And, uh, and a baby. So <clears throat> I fucking, I, I want, I want to OD on Tylenol threes when I get a cold. So yeah, uh, you are a baby. Um, wow. That's so, <laughs> that's so fascinating though. And totally makes sense that the, the doctor was like, you might as well do both sides. Cause like if you did one side, you know, like the problem, who knows how, it, why it happened, but the problem happened obviously because something was going on there where it was, it was it was in a position where it was able to be irritated 
So it's like you might as well yeah. get both sides done. I'd be man, like, fuck. I would love to see. I would love to see the images of like what it looks like, what the differences are, like, yeah, in, in like pre-surgery and post-surgery. Yeah, really, really interesting to see. Yeah, I agree. Surgery body modification is so interesting to me. Sure is, yeah. We were we've been watching a lot of Christmas movies around here lately, and um, uh, we we found I don't even know what it's called, but it uh, um, what's his name? Goldie Hans, Kirk Douglas is that his name? Goldie Hans partner. Sure. Are they? Are they? Oh come on! Uh, anyway, I, they play. I don't know who dates who. Kirk. No, they've been okay, dude. I know you don't know who dates who, but these people are like no. no. How Kirk could Douglas, you not know? Kirk Douglas. Um, I mean Kirk Douglas who died this oh, year. Oh no, 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 no. What's he, his name? He was with Anne Bayardins, no. and uh, and before <laughs> that he was Hahn. with Diana Douglas. What is her partner? Kurt Russell. Sorry, my oh bad. yeah, my man, Kurt Russell. Okay. So Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn play Mr. and Mrs. Claus in this movie that we were just watching. But uh, previous to this, we had watched um, uh, First Wives Club, which Goldie Hawn is also in, and she she plays someone who's got like who's got like overblown like lip injections. Mm-hmm. And then when we got to the Christmas movie, he Todd was like, um, in the. First Wives Club, she was playing someone who like gets a lot of uh, work done to her face, but in but is that what is that re- just real life? And I'm like, oh yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah. Goldie Hawn's got uh, she's got that. I mean, no offense to Goldie Hawn, but she doesn't have that like sort of lizard look. At this, no, at this yeah, she does. She kind of looks alligatory. No way. Yeah, when she I'm smiles, there's a little bit of a, like a lizard kind of thing going on. I'm sorry. Wow. No, I, feel like, I, mean, I feel like I shouldn't have said that. It sounds real. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making any judgments. I'm just, <laughs> it, dude. Like plastic surgery sometimes on faces looks great, and you can't even tell. And then sometimes it's very obvious, and there's a bit of an uncanny valley type reaction that I have that makes me just kind of go, oh, geez, wait. I feel it probably I feel like it probably gets more noticeable the more you get done or For like sure. the older older you get or the older you don't get, you know. Yeah. Um but I I Goldie Hawn it, Goldie Hawn can do no wrong in my eyes. I really <laughs> okay. think she's like really really special human. Um She's pretty lovable as a as a character. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, she's she lovable. I back yeah. when I had Instagram, way back when I had Instagram, I followed her, and they were always really feel good movies. No, but you, you know what? Okay, the reason that you need to know who these people are is because they've never. I think they the well, at least the myth about them is they've never lived together. They've been together Kurt Russell for and years and years and years yeah, and they're years. Not, yeah, they're not married. They're just they're just partners. They're just together. They're, they're partners and yeah. they haven't forever yeah. and they have, and they don't live together or at least they didn't for yeah. many, many, many years. Very cool. Kurt Russell's the fucking coolest though, man. Like, oh man, he's pretty Kurt cool. Russell. He's great. This yeah. makes me want to go back and rewatch uh hateful eight. <coughs> oh, right. He's so good. In it. All right. Yeah. And I just rewatched the thing the other day, which is, he's great in that as well. 
Um, uh, yeah, well, that's that's fun. That's fun. The Christmas movies are very fun. I've been watching. Uh, I've been watching some myself as well. Uh, actually, me and Leah just rewatched all the John Wick movies. Not very Christmassy, but goddamn, very fun. I feel like there was a John Wick reference. I don't know what John Wick is, but I feel like we I've talked been about a it. Lot with, of John we, Wick. We, we we talked about it with our guest uh, that uh, A Andrews, which will be coming out in the new year. Oh uh, yeah, we were, we were talking about John Wick a little bit. Um, <clears throat> cool. Well, this has been really fun, uh, and this year has not been. Uh, but there, you know, <laughs> hey, you know what? Having said that, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a big downer. There's been a lot of really beautiful, wonderful things that have happened this year as well, as well as a bunch of tragedies. So um, you know, there it it. And life, there's, there is no, there is no beauty to life without tragedy. We need to go through the hard times to really appreciate and love the good times. And so that's what I'm grateful for, for the year 2020 is grateful for the opportunities to see the beauty in all things because we've been forced to look at the horrific, terrifying, horrible shit in all things and so, so if you're listening to this while decorating you? your Christmas tree, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, we would just like you also to take a moment at home and consider something that you're grateful for, mm-hmm. because that is one of it's such an eye rolly like thing to say, but it is scientific scientifically proven to be one of the best mood boosters, one mm-hmm. of the best things you can do on a daily basis for your mental health is search for something to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And then your brain will start looking for things to be grateful for. And that is my Christmas wish for you. Well, without further ado, let's throw to our conversation this week with Dr. Susan Wenzel. Um, I'm not going to say much about this except for, uh, that this was a very fun conversation. And it's also really fun to talk to someone who specializes in relationship counseling and uh, ther- relationship therapy, but uh, f- who is also in a, a polyamorous relationship. So someone who deals with a lot of clients who are in the realm of, uh, of, of non-monogamy. And um, Susan was really great. One of the fun things that I really liked that she said was how you know, she was saying dancing is really hard. And, and so if you don't know how to dance, you're not going to be very good at it. So you need to practice. And she was like, relationships are like dancing. They're going to be really hard if you don't know how to do it. So you need to learn and you need to practice. And, uh, I think she is very right in saying that, uh, love is a learned skill and something that we all, uh, should continue to, to, uh, practice our, the, you know, practice the ways that we can show up best in our relationships. So, and I want to thank our listener for recommending Susan Wenzel as a guest, um, that we love, love getting people onto the show that you send our way, you know, like, thank you. Thank you so much to our patrons who, um, help us support this podcast by way of, of, uh, you know, there's the overhead of, of running a podcast is is not significant, but it does require, you know, certain subscriptions yeah. and certain equipment and you know, that 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 kind of adds up. So we are so grateful to our patrons without without whom we who knows 
if I, we would I still be it. here today. Um, but uh, but our but our listeners who send us the people that you want us to talk to, what you're doing is like unpaid research really for yeah. us. And we are, we couldn't be more grateful for you sharing your resources. I think it's a really, really important part of being community and seeing the people that you care about being able to learn more and do better is, you know, just like just a, a uh, an unspoken benefit that we receive from you folks anytime you send us your recommendations. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With that, uh, here's our conversation with Dr. Susan Wenzel. This is uh, one of my favorite times of the day where I get to sit down with my wife and we get to speak to a uh, relationships expert and certified sex therapist. Um, you know, I it, sometimes it's really fun when we do that together, Bridie, when we're actually, uh, you know, seeing couples therapy, which we've mm-hmm. done in the past. But it's a little less uh, less nerve-wracking and more uh, fun to do it with a, a professional where we're not seeking help and we're we're literally just picking someone's brain. Just looking uh, for some information for a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, for a friend. Uh, Susan Wenzel, it's so so nice to meet you. Um, it's, uh, you know, we on this podcast, we've, we've spoken to many people about their own, uh, their own relationship dynamics, their own sex lives. We touch on, you know, kink, fetish, um, and every once in a while, we get the we get the pleasure and the the um, uh, the luck to sit down with someone who works in the the field of sex and relationships from a professional standpoint. Um, I guess <clears throat> the first question is, and I I always want to ask this question to anybody who's in your field: um, How did you end up where you are? How did you end up becoming a, an expert in the world of sex and relationship? Oh, that's a very good question. So. Um... I, so I did my training as a, as a mostly started with mental health therapist. And um, there was actually no sex therapist in Winnipeg, where I'm from. So I thought, why not uh, fill that gap? But before that, um, even when I was a little girl, I used to be um, so fascinated by human body. I remember um, people would be, other kids would be drawing cars, clothes, flowers, whatever, and always did anatomy of a human body, like just like drawing. So, and I didn't know why. So a sexuality, um, human body, it's something that I've always been interested with. So when that opportunity came for me to train as a sex therapist, it was more like, oh, I want to know more about human body and how they think and, and sexuality is part of it. So, yeah, it's just connected. Is sexuality as huge a part of it as it seems to be? Like Jeremy was referencing how he and I have gone to couples therapy before and our therapist 
would told us, uh, you know, like most people end up, uh, most couples end up in his office with one of three complaints, something to do with sex, mm-hmm. something to do with money or something to do with other people involved mm. in the relationship, whether that was like a family member or an affair or whatever. And these are the three things that people to come to come to therapy for. And we're like, first of all, great, uh, because we're not abnormal. But um, but second of all, like for something that causes so much havoc in people's lives, we don't really have much space to talk about it publicly with each other. Yeah. So what 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 sort of can of worms does do you did you open with your with your practice of psychology um, when you started asking people about how their what what was going on in their sex lives? Um. And I think because I'm a sex therapist, when people come to see me, unlike most therapists, is that that topic comes up later. But as a sex therapist, is the first topic that comes into my mm. office. So they already they already bring that topic because that's what they're seeking help for. And sexuality, whether you're a single person, so it it doesn't have to be with a partner. A healthy sexuality is also part of us. It, it, I like saying sexuality is who we are. We're sexual human beings. So, and then we go to the next step where we can share that um, part of who we are with other people. And sometimes there are things, there are factors that gets on the way for people to enjoy that and they end up in my office. And it can be, yes, you're right, it can be very, um, because when some, it wasn't, most people was not taught growing up how to talk about sexuality or what mm-hmm. sexu- how this sexuality look like. So they do struggle as adults, as a couple, and have difficult time talking about it. Even talking about sex becomes very awkward for most couples. Mm. Yeah, yeah that, that's, um, that's always something that I find, uh, like, it's funny how, it's funny how outside of a relationship, we, we sometimes can be very... Um, a lot of people can be very open to talking about sexuality or sex, like, you know, with, with their close friends or, you know, sitting around drinking wine and, and, and sharing stories. But then when it, when it comes to like your actual partner, for whatever reason, a lot of us like clam up and we don't know how to communicate Mm -hmm. the things that we find so easily, easy to communicate with, you know, behind closed doors with, with close pals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just something I find kind of funny, uh, the, the, the duality there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> something that, <clears throat> that I, I think is kind of unique to your situation and, and especially something to unique in terms of like the people that we've spoken to on the show, um, over the past four years or so is that, you are not only are you a, a, a therapist in the world of, of sexual relationships, but um, you yourself are also in an open relationship and you've, you've released a book um, titled a happy life in an open relationship. Um, how is it? I guess so th- this, again, this is a bit of a personal question, but the, the open, the open relationship um, or, you know, navigating that road in your own personal life, was that something that came before you got into the world of sex therapy or was that something that developed after um, your studies and after your work of, of getting into this career? No, it, it was it's something that came later. Because, um, I was, 
So I, I started dating my, not he's my husband, but then he was my boyfriend. So it was eight years ago. And I was just um, happy, monogamous, and things were good. And I, I thought he was monogamous at the time. And, and we were really happy. He's happy. We were happy. And then he initiated this conversation that, hey, this is my track record. Every few years, I would really fall in love. But then I'll start desiring other people. And it always end up the same way, um, where that... Uh, my partner is feeling that they can trust me and I'm attracted to other people. And he was saying, I, I really do care about you. And I want we figure out what to do because this is, relationship is important. So it was a shock to me because I do, I have treated people who wanted to navigate open relationship for their relationship, but I didn't think that was for me. It was more like, Oh, I'll help you from, from far. But, but, mm. but, thinking, okay, now this is my journey. So it was a big shock for me, um, trying to undo that monogamy, the story that I grew up with, and to go to this other um, lamb of relationship, that, that, that was a little challenging. Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mm. Do, do you think that the work that you had done previously with, you know, past clients who were experiencing similar things or past clients that are in open relationships, do you think that, that, that ex those experiences yourself helped you in navigating this new relationship dynamic with your, your now husband? Um, it did in some way, and that way could be maybe resources. I, do, I, knew, I knew what it was. I could articulate what it is. Like I had a better understanding. But personally, no, that's a journey that I had to do on my own, the personal growth mm. and dealing with my own insecurity. That's something that, and my book is what it, it teaches people. Like it doesn't matter where you're starting from. Um, these are the skills that you can do to grow, to 
um, to know who you are and your was so that you're able to navigate uh, these dynamics. Um, but no, uh, yes, I would say he didn't know about what non-monogamy, he didn't know about polyamory, he has never heard about that. So I was able to explain to him that, hey, there's actually couples who are non-monogamous and they have done their relationship well. So we began this journey of reading books together. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay, can I dive in there, Bridie? Yeah, there's, there's one other thing. So, so in, uh, it was there, you know, so for... Not not to go into his his personal life too much, but um, this ha- having this uh, this experience where he knows, like after three years, I know that like at the same old story it comes up itchy. again and again. I start getting the itch. I wanna <laughs> I wanna start like I start see I have eyes for other people. Uh-huh. Um, when you when you broach the 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 subject of like polyamory uh-huh. or or open relationships. Uh-huh. Was that a struggle for him to wrap his head around, like you seeing other people as well? You know, like was there, was there, was there challenges that you both had to kind of guide each other through in in terms of staying together yet opening yourselves up to other people as well? Um, it's interesting because for him, he has never struggled with jealousy, like even from the beginning, like. Hmm. not even a single day no actually there is one time that he did and mostly it was it was not because i was seeing this person it's because this person was from my own community we had so much in common it was more he couldn't um the things that we talked about he didn't associate, even couldn't associate with so because hmm. this person was from my, my own, back in kenya i'm from kenya originally so there's so much and and i i call the time of racial jealousy that in a way that that there is that connection and bond that we had with him that he didn't have. Mm. But to do with sex and other intimacy that he he's never like that. So mm. he has always been confident and always supportive. So with other partners. So um, I've never experienced him. So a lot of work ha- was to do with me because I the fear of abandonment is one of the key things that I felt. Um, and that was there even before him. It's just that he heightens this whole, that the opening relationship heightens everything. Um, mm. So, because it's the, I think it's one of the most difficult things you can ever see if you're not non-monogamous is to see your partner with someone else. So having to work through that and to come out through that was hard for me. It was my own journey. And his journey was more being, how do you become a supportive partner? Um you're not putting pressure on your partner. You're not demanding. It's consensual. You're walk, walking in a space that your partner c- can leave room and space for your partner to grow. So his journey was more supportive. And mm. yeah, uh, you you mentioned something about jealousy, mm-hmm. and that like you said, your jealousy, your, your partner's jealousy wasn't around the sex and the intimacy and, but, but more about not being able to relate to you in the way that another, another person was sort of relating to you, maybe like intellectually or like culturally or whatever. Mm-hmm. What, what other types of jealousy, like how, how jealousy is a really big topic um, with our listeners. We, we talk about it a lot. We hear from them a lot about like, how on earth do you like, you know, navigate your own jealousy. And, you know, I might hear something like what you just said about your partner and be like, well, maybe, maybe that's just a front. Like we all must experience some kind of like 
possessiveness or basically I, I'm, I wonder what your thoughts are on like the source of jealousy or like what's behind mm. jealousy aside from a fear of abandonment, let's say um, that, that, that might be, that might be a really good learning tool for people about themselves. Um, I would say the root cause of most jealousy is insecurities, is underlying insecurities. And that insecurity can manifest itself in different form. So for his case, it was insecurity of feeling not good enough to, uh, or feeling um, in, inadequate, you know, feeling because let's say we're talking our own language and we're laughing and your partner is like, oh, and it's, you're not trying to, cannot understand the language. So if we're all together and they're like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit left out. So, and those are the conversation we'll have with says, hey, um, I really like your partner, but when we're all together, it's just gravitated. You're, you're really connecting with this person in a way that because I can't speak your language, I can really... I'm feeling inadequate. I can't be able even to connect in that way. So, and those are dynamic we had to come along in a way that we're able, I'm able to hear him. I'm able to be present for him as well. And we're able to do, do things differently. Um, but other insecurities that people have is, um, am I pretty enough? Then that jealousy starts coming. Am I good enough? Um, um, am I, you're going to abandon me? Um, am I going to be alone? All, all other insecurity people feel can trigger jealousy. Um, scarcity of time, um, when you start seeing somebody else with that lesson, what we'll have, um, our quality time, uh, our specialness, is, gonna, is that gonna take away from that? Um, so all those can trigger jealousy. What, what in, so in terms of, you know, knowing that these are very common things that folks, tend to go through when they when they start to go down that road of opening up their relationships um diving into polyamory practicing consensual non-monogamy um swinging what have you what would you say to the people like you know you were mentioning how your husband he 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 had to step into this role of being a supporter Mm -hmm. and being a supportive partner what are what are some like valuable ways excuse me what are some valuable ways in in which a partner can be more supportive when when the other partner is feeling these is going through these really intense feelings of insecurity feelings of abandonment fear of you know less less quality time like how how can someone who feels comfortable in their skin in an open relationship support the partner who is still trying to get their their footing underneath them mm-hmm. um i would say first thing is let's say consensual like just make it fast that you know that you're not pressuring your partner you want to give them space to be in that place to work with you so you're not pressuring them um another time if someone is initiating open initiative i would say look for a time when you're not fighting, where you're in a good place, because that would take away a lot of um, um, thought of, oh, you want someone else because we're fighting or you're not happy with me and so on. So looking for good time. And then if that person consent to it, what you can do to help them is um, even 
they have a narrative, they have a story that is negative already. If you could target that story as often as you are, I'm here with you. I really do want a life with you. You're very important to me. So those are, um, and, and that becomes emotional bond, like connecting with things that emotional bond. Um, my partner is very attentive too. So that's another thing is he's super attentive to me. So that when I was struggling with my own insecurity and then I see how attentive and then I start saying, actually, there's nothing I'm missing. Him seeing other people, he comes come so excited and he, he's so connected with me and he's so attentive. He turn around when he's sleeping and something will be dreaming, telling me how much he loves me and all this stuff. Like he, he's so attentive. So being attentive to your partner <clears throat> is important because he does listen in security on the other person. Uh, being a good listener to the other person, pain and, and emotional, even if they don't make sense sometimes. So just knowing that they're they're triggered, so uh, good listeners could uh, communication too could could happen, and also having those fun moments. So if only we are fighting all the time and not have those fun, and you go out and have fun with other people, and only come and we fight, then it's really hard for for growing. So creating those fun moments for the partner that is supportive, saying mm. hey, let's go out for dinner, let's do something fun because you matter. That may help. Okay, this is maybe a bit of a left turn, but have you spoken to many individuals or couples um, where they are like really um, interested in the idea that non-monogamy might not work for them? And there's like lots of other uh, ways a relationship can work and that they've found they've found the thing that, that, that will make them stop cheating or will make them, will fix other problems that they've seen habitually in their lives. Have you seen much of that where it's like consensual non-monogamy is not the cure-all for your problems and you should have these things in place for yourself before you, you start down thinking that that the way that looks will suit you better. Does that make sense? Very, because you do raise a good question. Um, Non-monogamy will never fix any relationship in a way. It's not a fix. It's not a pills that we take and our relationship affects because those are the factors that were there before the relationship. If they're not dealt with, they will, they will creep into any relationship, whether it's monogamous or non-monogamous. So yes, there's the time couples decide um, opening relationship or non-monogamy is not a way for us. Maybe working on our issue, our core issue is what will help our relationship. And that's fine. Um, I have never advocated for uh, non-monogamy is the only way to the relationship. What I say is not the only way. Monogamy is not the only way to relationship. People are so diverse. Their people are so complex. So all initiative, if it works for you, monogamy, great, non-monogamy, great. Um, but knowing monogamy, and there are people who do that, let's get married and be monogamous and we'll be happy, but they have all these other insecurities and they're not growing and still doesn't work. So knowing marriage will not fix any relationship or, mm. or monogamous, not just marriage, relationship will not fix those other things that uh, we need to work on around it. Mm. 
Yeah. We we get a lot of um we get a lot of people that write into the show asking for advice. Um and <clears throat> one of the one of the questions because Bridie and I are are polyamorous, one of the questions yeah. that we've received quite a bit is um is people who have this desire to open up their relationship or have this desire to um, explore non-monogamy yet they, their partner expresses the complete opposite to them. And you know, the question that comes in is like, what do I do? Do I, do I, do I stay? Do I go? Do I try to push it? Do I, what can I say to try to change their mind? And, um, and whenever we get that question, I have no idea what to say. You know, like, I, I mean, I, I think my, my initial reaction is like, if someone isn't willing to, to go down that road with you, you, you kind of have two options. You either make a sacrifice in your own life where, where, you, where you let this idea go and you stay, try to cultivate and stay in, in a, 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 you know, a loving relationship with the person that you've, you've been with. Or you, you maybe take some time to think about and perhaps realize that this is too important to you and, and not, not, uh, not exploring non-monogamy is, is not really an option. And if that's the case, you, you kind of got to split. Um, but is that is that like sound advice? Are <laughs> you know, those like, the only two options? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are those the only two options, or like how how would one how 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 what are some ways that people can can look at that scenario and and try to find some some answers in, within themselves? If if a partner is just like, no, this is not for me, yet they feel so inclined to explore that. Those are the good two. Two options, and I want to add the bad one. And the bad okay. option will be work with your partner. So, working with them for just because someone says no today and tomorrow and next month, it doesn't mean next year they won't say yes. It's just so new concept for people that they cannot get to jump and be excited with the partner who's already there. Um, so I would say start the dialogue. What is it about? What what do you imagine? What are your fear? If you put yourself in that place, imagine we're in open relationship, even if we're not yet, what would your fear be? Now we're talking about those fears because those fears can stand on the way for, me, for your partner saying yes to it. So they're not saying no to polyamory. They're just saying no to, oh, what about this? What about this? Mm. So if we address that, they may say yes. And I'm so glad that my partner gave me chance. And it was months, months for me to work on myself. Today, I say if he was to stop being non-monogamous, I would say, I'm going, I'm staying with non-monogamy. I love it so much being um, uh, open, in an open relationship and polyamory, and I love that so much. Um, and he initiated. So to the point that if he was to change, I would not want to change in that way. Um but because I was given time to go. So I would add that work with your partner and be at, they may not grow and you may have to split the way you say, um, but I'll work with them a little bit and see. 
Mm. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think that point of like of practicing patience is really important because it's. I feel like um, I feel like it's one of those things that if I was to speak like personally, I feel like it's one of those things that sometimes I can forget mm-hmm. that things take time. You know, it's like if you if you're going two weeks straight of like of of being in conflict with a partner. Those two weeks feel like, well, I guess this is fucking forever. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I guess this is just going to be for the rest of my goddamn life. Mm-hmm. And and it's easy to forget that, like, whoa, hold on, pull back. This is this has been it's been two weeks. Mm-hmm. Two weeks is not a very long time when you look at the grand scheme of what the potential of a relationship could be. Mm-hmm. And and in, you know, in these emails, these questions that we get when people ask that specific question, um, there does seem to be a sense of like almost forgetting that, that, you know, this isn't uh, a process that happens overnight, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Bridie, even you and I, you know, it was like, it was like five fucking years mm-hmm. of us like slowly, slowly at like dipping our toes into the water and just this like very drawn out, very methodical process. Um, and so, and 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 having said that, right? For you and I, it was this long drawn out process, and now you and I, we're in it and we're comfortable. But then we have we you know we 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 stumble into a new relationship, and this new relationship, per- perhaps that person isn't hasn't had a past or a history of non monogamy, and it's so easy for like, personally speaking, it's easy for me to to kind of forget that like, hey, Jer, it took you this long to get here Mm. if your partner isn't there yet just remember that like it remember it took you a long time to wrap your head around this and i would say probably the first (laughs) five of those five years um really because we we kind of like actually started doing not just talking about it five years ago so five years before that it was really about just like how do we get to a place where we can talk about this without Ooh. feeling afraid? Just yeah. talking about it without feeling afraid. And that's how long it took. Yeah. It took like many revisits to the idea with sp- big spaces in between uh-huh. of in like, how are you feeling about this now? No. Ooh. And like finally getting to a place of like, oh, now I don't feel like, screaming and running away when we talk about it. So that's a good I wonder, sign. I, I do wonder how much of that cut, like stems from the time that we live in, you know, this like the time of like, like instant gratification. It's like, it, you know, we have, we we're, we're glued to these devices mm-hmm. where like at any point we can, we can listen to any song that's ever been made, you know, at any time where we have video on demand where we can watch, we can watch, you know, any television show that's ever been, you know, everything is at our fingertips. Everything's so quick, so easy to attain and 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 re- like revel in. But then when we hit something that like that isn't immediate and like right there at our fingertips, we're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, you know, like I, I, it does. It makes me wonder how if I was to take myself and you know chuck myself, I don't know, thirty years in the past if there would be a different mode of thinking or, or if I would be, you know, if I would feel like I'm moving through life in a bit of a different, uh, 
a different speed, but I guess that's, that's a different podcast. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting, I'm going down a different road now. <laughs> um, I would love to ask, uh, you're on your website. I noticed that you've been like featured on a lot of really big name, um, places and that you speak, uh, motivationally and, and, um, and whatnot. And I just wonder like, what's your favorite thing to talk to people about? Hmm. Um, I would say my favorite things to find I'm very excited about Nan Monaga. I'm very excited driving it because it's not just, oh, you're sleeping with somebody else or you're talking to somebody else. It's the freedom. It's, it's symbolic for me of so much freedom in life, like going and showing up in life free and allowing your partner or creating space for your partner to be free as well. And I do like that we do we don't fight about most of the things that I hear in my office, little things, big things. And and I think working in a in you know monogamy allow us to dig so deep that those little things don't matter. They really don't matter. Um so helping couples work in their relationship, monogamy, non-monogamy, I get very excited about it because relationship is a dance, it's knowing how to do the rhythm. I hear people saying relationship is so hard and I say it's not hard. It's like dancing is so hard. Of course, if you don't know how to dance, it's hard. But once you know the skills, then it is not hard. So it's knowing the skills and I get excited to teach people those skills um, in non-monogamy, but also monogamy as well. But I love that. I yep. really, I really like that, uh, that analogy of, <clears throat> you know, dancing, dancing is hard if you don't know how to dance and it does, you know, it, it you're right. It does feel it, it, relationships are a, a dance. It is, it is a, it is a very, uh, <clears throat> a very technical mm-hmm. and, and, you know, uh, mode of, of communicating mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, and it's, and it, uh, it's really unfortunate that it's one of those things that isn't taught you know, like, like to, um, it, you know, communication is, is, I, I don't think communication is, is, uh, an innate skill. Like I think, I think it is, it is learned through, through time and practice and, and honed over the span of your lifetime. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we, it's not one of those things that we are, we're like, actively taught when we're growing up or taught in schools, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not taught how to love. We're not taught how to, how to navigate our way through tough conversations with loved ones. We're, we kind of, we're just kind of thrown into the world and ushered ushered Mm -hmm. into monogamy Mm -hmm. and, and like, the way I think about it is like a path that supports the economy really. Mm Like that, it's just easier if you don't ask questions mm-hmm. and we don't give you any other information so that you just do the thing that helps the economy yeah, keep right. going. Yeah, yeah. Just um, follow the yellow brick road and you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's such a beautiful thing to be able to craft your relationships um, mm. um, according to like what your actual wants and needs mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And I've found that through our opening our relationship, um, I've learned so much more about what my wants and my needs are than the first 31 years of my life. Yeah. You know, it's like now I have to ask my self questions and I have to do personal work. Um, but it's really fulfilling when 
when I can see that, oh, there's less conflict now. Mm-hmm. There's less resentment now mm-hmm. because I'm more responsible for knowing what I want and need and asking for it and being clear in my communication. So that was sort of an unexpected benefit of an open relationship. I'm, I'm sure you hear all, all kinds of unexpected benefits um, from people's real life stories. Is there anything other than that that comes to mind? I, I like that. Um, and with the personal growth, you're talking about um, non-monogamy have allowed you to take ownership, learn to ask. So there's that personal growth and, and feeling confidence. You can be able to articulate your needs and wants. Other benefit of um, non-monogamy is novelty, the newness, new energy. So there is a way that you've been with a partner for so long and you lost that novelty and newness. And sometimes being with other people does bring that, which spikes the whole relationship, not just with that person. It it triggers or awakens the whole relationship. So there's those benefits. Um, Meeting new wonderful people, there's so much. knowing so much other way dynamic that you're not just doing dynamic with your relationship, but finding other different people that can add value to primary, if you have a primary relationship or to all your relationship. Some people, especially in polyamorous, have a community. You're creating that community you're talking about for your children, family. So um, in my book, I share my partner is not handy. He's very smart and have a nice job, whatever, good job. But when it comes to fixing, I'm better fixer than things, handy. So we're not dryer, broke. So I was like, who do we know? And it was a, it was a holiday, so we couldn't get anybody. I'm like, oh, my 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 partner knows how to. He's really handy and he likes it. So we had a laundry done. <laughs> God, that sounds so familiar. <laughs> and And it's a community, so. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's it, something, it is something, yeah, to the community, the cho- like people you choose to have, mm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Bridie, the, uh, the uh, sliding doors here in our living room, um, I couldn't fucking hold those. Like that, that is not, I'm not handy like that, but we needed those doors. And oddly enough, uh, your partner, he knows. I went out and wa- found one. I went <laughs> out and found a partner with some building skills. That's right. I was like, Bridie, you need, a, you need to find a lifetime partner who knows how to build sliding doors. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and tomorrow yeah. it'll be a plumber. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Oh God, you know, it's and so a true lawyer though. and a doctor <laughs> yeah. and yeah, just yeah. complete the whole community. Yeah. yeah. Resourcefulness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is. It's it's such a good point though. Like there is the community element to it. You know, when you when you like I know that the, I know that this podcast is is a bit of an echo chamber. There's not a lot of people listening to this podcast mm-hmm. who are you know who are like just mortified by the idea of non-monogamy. But let's just pretend there is somebody out there who's listening to this who is, right? When you get past all of the when you get past all of the the ego that comes with relationship, you know when you get past the 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 insecurities and those those things will always exist they're always going to be there but when you get past the, the what the 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 almost insurmountable feeling of jealousy or the insurmountable feeling of in, insecurity um at the idea of your partner being 
sexually active with somebody else or your partner being romantically involved with somebody else or your partner being intellectually stimulated by somebody else. When you get rid of all that stuff and you actually start to accept it and you start to, um, you start to see, then you start to see the beauty within it, which is that like that community aspect, right? Like I, I am, you know, I don't, I, I don't say this on the podcast very much, but I, I, I am so grateful that Todd Bridie, your partner is a part of my life. You know, like he is, he is such a resourceful human and, and that benefits you greatly, but it also benefits me and it benefits me to know that he's around. If I need help, it benefits me to know that he's down to like hang out and, and, you know, like talk about philosophy or, or whatever together. Like I, I love that about this setup that we have. And there's, there is, there really is that part of it that the beauty of that far outweighs the, the, the fear or the, the discomfort or the, the, the ickiness that oftentimes early, early on comes with this journey for a lot of people, right? When you get over that bridge, when you get over that hump, it's like, it's like the, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's that feeling of, of like a, a gray and gloomy day, when all of a sudden, unbeknownst, like unexpectedly, the sun just starts to just break through the clouds and you're like, oh, fuck, that's nice. How nice <laughs> is that? Like that is that's it. Like that is it's that in feeling, you know. Um, and yeah. So anyway, to, any, to all you to, to the one person out there who might be just listening in the other room while your partner's listening and, and you don't agree. We're uh, talking to I, you. I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you heard this. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's true. And yeah, I I also think like we can have, we can deal with our difficult feelings. Like Mm -hmm. we live, we're humans. Everybody you love is going to die. You're going to have to deal with difficult feelings in your life at some point. And these ones, they're not going to kill you. Those feelings going through the work of dealing with difficult feelings is not, not going to, destroy your life. You'll come through the other side, a much stronger, um, and probably more confident individual for seeing how capable you are of having a really hard feeling and, and working with your partner who's, you know, there to support you to. And that point, that point goes both ways. That goes for, for, for the person who is struggling out of fear. And that person that also goes for the person who's struggling to, find the the patience to be supportive, right? Like it, it, the work isn't going to kill you. Mm. The work is, the work is the work and it's worth it. It can be worth it. It can be worth it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Susan, this is, this has been really fun. I I feel like we did, you and I I did most of the talking. I know, I know you've like, you inspired, you, you inspired me to like, Tap into this rant. I'm, I'm, I'm usually, uh, I do talk too much oftentimes, but the, the, but my God, I can't shut up now. Right. It's fun uh, talking to both of you. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, this has been really fun. Susan, how can people, um, how can people stay up to date with what you're up to? Where can people find you? Um, where, yeah. Where can people follow along? So um, people can find me on my website at uh, susanwenzo.ca. Or they can find the book. It's really helpful. That book, uh, the way you were saying it, it's a personal growth at the end. 
no matter what, you will come out stronger. So as individual, so whether you will come out stronger to go back to monogamy, great. Whether you come out stronger to be non-monogamy, great. But you will come out stronger. Mm. So that's when you put the work. And it does help. That book helps. So you can find that on Amazon chapter bookstores. So. And again, that book is uh, titled A Happy Life in an Open Relationship, The Essential Guide to a Healthy and Fulfilling Non-Monogamous Love Life. Uh, Susan Wenzel, this has been really fun. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today to sit down and chat with us. Thank you. It was nice meeting you. Bye. All right, there we go. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Very fun conversation. And uh, again, like we said, well, lots of laughing, lots of lots of laughing. Uh, uh, Go uh, go check out uh, Dr. Wenzel's book. Uh, Go check out their website. Follow them on Instagram. All great things to do. And uh, and listen, we are going to take a holiday break. But in the break time over the next two weeks. Uh, we will be tossing up a couple of our, our favorite episodes from the past few years. And uh, we will be back with you on our regular scheduled programming the day after my fucking 33rd birthday, January 6th. So, hey, if you want to, you know, if you're listening right now and you like doing nice things for people on their birthday, uh, you know where to find me. <laughs> no, you don't. I hope you don't know where to find me. <laughs> I really hope you know, but uh, yeah. But if you want to know where to find me, I'm sure you. I'm sure you can ask around. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash Turn Me On. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Hell yeah! Uh, all right, that uh, that is it for this week. That is it for this year. That is it for this year. Until we'll s- the following year. Have a lot of sex. Fuck yourself. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.